Welcome to Book Tour. Two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. I know that in the previous episode when we talked to Paul Tremblay, we promised that the next thing you'd be hearing is an interview with Matt McBride and Matthew McBride, the author of The End of the Ocean. And um, sadly, that's uh, that's not going to be the case. Well, wait. It could very well be the case, though. <laughs> so nothing happened. Like, we didn't... He didn't blow us off like other authors recently did. Um, you know, nothing fell through. We didn't get into some kind of fight. We just, we had some issues. And Rob's going to kind of explain to you what happened and maybe how you can hear that episode. Yeah, so uh, we've been having uh, issues with, like, the services that we use to record our voices. So we've been trying some new things. And um, one of the new things that we tried was it presented some challenges with uh, kind of the finished audio for the conversation we had with Matthew McBride, which I, I got to say, awesome conversation. Um, but <clears throat> there was enough audio lost that it wouldn't make sense as like a, a start to finish conversation. So it just didn't feel right to make it an episode. Um, but I am very willing to cut together the stuff that is listenable and make it available uh, for people to listen to if they want to, kind of as just bonus stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it together. I'm going to post it up on our Patreon, but I'm going to post it up in a way where whether you contribute to our Patreon or not, you will have access to it. But while you're there, I mean, it doesn't get much easier. <laughs> if you've already, I mean, that's not the, the whole point of this. We just couldn't put it out as a proper booked episode. I agree. Fascinating conversation. Great guy. Um, I look forward to talking to him again. We've kind of committed that it's not going to be, you know, like four years from now and he has another book out. That's a guy I think we're going to find a reason to have on sooner rather than later. So definitely hit up the Patreon page for free. Look at that while you're there. Consider spending some of your hard-earned money, like a buck a month or so, um, supporting the podcast. That would be awesome of you. Yep. So apologies that that didn't go quite as planned, but, um, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks that will pop up on patreon we'll post links to it so that everybody knows it's available um and yeah but for for this episode we're actually going to be talking about the book uh wanderers by chuck wendig um the massive tome that we had to take extra time to to read and that's why you were getting <laughs> interview episodes um so here's the bio for chuck wendig really quick for anybody who for some reason hasn't heard of him uh, he is the New York Times bestselling author of Star Wars Aftermath, which we reviewed, uh, as well as the Mil Miriam Black thrillers, which we reviewed, the Atlanta Burns books, which we did not review, and the Heartland YA series, alongside other works across comics, games, film, and more. A finalist for the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer and the co-writer of the Emmy-nominated digital narrative Collapsus. He's also known for his popular blog, TerribleMinds.com, and his books about writing. He lives in Pennsylvania with his family. No go. stranger. Um, we're no stranger to Chuck Wendig's work, as Rob mentioned. Um, six? Sixth? What's the sixth, seventh book we're reviewing? All right, Wendig? so we reviewed six Miriam Black books. We reviewed the Star Wars book, and we reviewed Zeros. So that by my count, this is the ninth time we're reviewing him. Um, eighth? Eighth? Well, we did eight. We okay. were, we were, we were already oh, reviewed yeah, yeah, eight. I got you. Yep, yep. Rob is the mathematician on this podcast. Ninth, which... 
it, if you're clicking in the background that's my abacus yeah that's um that's the record right i can't imagine there's anybody we've we've even come close no i think stephen graham jones reviewed seven books for him so this is definitely i think he's the one that uh we've done the most for for sure and um this is also the second longest book maybe only by beaten by 1q84 yeah, one Q eight four. Yeah, it was yeah. in the nine hundreds. Uh, Three Musketeers was close. I think that was in the seven hundreds. So yeah, we've we've put a we put a lot of time into Wendig. Um, here's what we're going to be talking tonight: the synopsis for Wanderers. Shayna wakes up one morning to discover her little sister in the grip of a strange malady. She appears to be sleepwalking. She cannot talk and cannot be woken up. And she is heading with inexorable determination to a destination that only she knows. But Shane and her sister are not alone. Soon they are joined by a flock of sleepwalkers from across America on the same mysterious journey. And like Shana, there are other shepherds who follow the flock to protect their friends and family on the long, dark road ahead. For as the sleepwalking phenomenon awakens terror and violence in America, the real danger may not be the epidemic, but the fear of it. With society collapsing all around them and an ultra-violent militia threatening to exterminate them, the fate of the sleepwalkers depends on unraveling the mystery behind the epidemic, the terrifying secret that will either tear the nation apart or bring the survivors together to remake a shattered world. little update. I did a little research while you were reading that. Um, we did have both of the familiar books that we reviewed, which were 880 pages each. Um, 1Q84 was 944 pages. So yeah, this is like fourth place, which is kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and, and to be fair, the, the familiar books, like those were a lot of pages with not a ton of words on them. Sure. So, I mean, from a word count standpoint, this is this is still, I think, I'm pretty sure in the top three. Yeah. One um, Q eight four, on the other hand, was not an enjoyable book to, to read. I just want to say that I'm not. That's not commentary <laughs> on this book. I just want to say that, like one Q eight four, comes up in our personal conversations as as like a. I don't know what that what that's called. Like when you give something um, another name. Um. Like a nickname? No, like like when you know when when like someone like a coworker you know screws something up, so then you use their name oh. and you'd be like, oh, you Olsen the shit out of that, didn't you? Oh, like one Q eight four is almost used that way around this podcast. So uh, our history yeah. with really really long books not so hot, a little mixed. So we'll see yeah. how this one fares. A um, lot of lot of stuff going on in that synopsis, um, and the fact that this is like an eight hundred page book should it indicate. A lot of stuff going on in this book as well. Yeah, I don't... We're going to try to be respectful of not spoiling this book. Um, but as I was reading through the synopsis, I realized that like one of the biggest parts of it isn't mentioned. So we're going to tiptoe around some things. We might get a little bit ahead of where we'd like to be, but we're going to try really hard not to spoil this for anybody who's interested in reading it. That being said, the synopsis starts off pretty close to the beginning of the book. I guess we could start a little bit before that. We get kind of a prologue that a uh, meteorite has passed in the near vicinity of the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it it was, it's neat because it's like talking about how, you know, the history of other like asteroids and stuff that have passed nearby or comets, I guess, comets. Um, And might have been a comet. It was probably a comet. Yeah, it was a comet. 
um, like history of other uh, comets that have been like Hale Bop was discovered, uh, what like in the eighties or nineties or whatever. Uh, oh, and that was the Heaven's Gate. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that? Like we were. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my I god. Do. I'm so a little ha- older than you. I remember it really, like, really well. Like, how weird that shit was. I think I was kind of a cocky teenager, so I more made fun of it than tried to understand it. Um, so, yeah, the, that, the prologue is um, a comet is discovered by this woman. Um, it it kind of reflects on other similar discoveries. And then she has an aneurysm the night it passes over and dies, I think. So, interesting prologue. But then it jumps into... Uh, Shayna, uh, just like the synopsis kicks in, um, her little sister is walking, um, like, so I'll lay it out. Shayna goes to her little sister's room first thing in the morning to do something. Her sister's not there. She's like, oh, that's weird. She like kind of looks around the house, doesn't see her, looks outside. And her little sister, Nessie is like walking down the driveway barefoot. She thinks, oh, this might be a prank. Goes out to talk to her. And that's when she discovers that Nessie is unresponsive and is walking in a way that uh, she really can't stop. And so she starts to freak out about it. Which is a fair reaction on her part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, yeah. And that's how we start to discover the, you know, as in the synopsis, the sleepwalking uh, epidemic. So we'll go a little farther. Um, sleepwalkers uh, cannot be stopped meaning that they cannot be deterred from from moving on a, on a path from point A to wherever their end point is, which is something you do not discover for, you know, maybe ever. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not clear where they're going. In the event that uh, you try to stop them, so Shayna tries to stop her sister, shakes her, whatever, um, they become, when I say agitated, not agitated like you'd be agitated if I tried to stop you from doing something, but agitated in a way where they're shaking and they're kind of violent, trembling, and they can heat up a considerable amount, like they start to get really hot. And essentially, it's a, it becomes evident very quickly that you are going to do some very serious harm by you know doing something as simple as like trying to grab one by the wrist and trying to hold them back. Uh, we'll go a little bit more into sleepwalkers so we can maybe not keep bouncing back and forth. Um, they don't stop. They don't sleep. They don't eat. They don't drink. And it seems like they may be impervious to, to um, you know, we'll just throw, I'll throw it out there. Things like needles. This comes up pretty early on. You know, as they try to sedate Nessie, they find out that her skin can't be pierced by a needle. So, um, I, 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 started, I think I started reading this before you. I'm not sure. But um, when I got to the end of the first chapter, um, my thought was, man, this chapter was so good that you could put that out as a short story in promotion of, of the book, because it just sets the tone for a really, um, personal because it's like a, a, you know, a a girl and her sister going through this unexplained situation, a very personal story. That's like kind of scary and, and tense. And that first chapter, man, was just, I was like, this is probably one of the best short stories I've read in a long time, even though it was just a chapter in a book. Mm-hmm. I agree. The setup is strong on this one. So, yeah. um, 
quickly we discover that other sleepwalkers will join Nessie um, at the rate of one every few hours, and they all have the same thing. Nessie is the first and kind of the leader, and they all kind of fall fall in next to her slash behind her and continue on. So obviously we're seeing this develop um, mostly through Shayna's eyes, but through the involvement of EMTs and police officers and some other things. We switch back to what I will call likely the other main character, if you had to break it down to two. Um, as this is uh, still in development and there are just a handful of sleepwalkers, we're introduced to Benji Ray. Benji is uh, used to work for the CDC. He was a doctor uh, until he ran into some troubles and, and was asked to leave and is a persona non grata around uh, CDC anymore. But he's approached by a woman named Sadie Emeka, Emeka, Emeka. Sure. And she is, according to Rob's notes, Rob's very detailed notes. I, Rob has never, I mean, Rob does a great job with notes, but he has exceeded his note-taking ability on this one. <laughs> she is a neural engineer who works for a company called Benix Voyager. And now we're probably going to go, you know, into spoiler territory. And I only say that because we're going to cover like a pretty big component of the story that's not in the synopsis. And really, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting this kind of branch off into the storyline, so I'll kind of pass it back to you a little bit to introduce the other big character in this book. Um, all right. So Benji and Sadie are introduced to the story because um, there's an unexplained phenomenon that's causing, uh, you know, these sleepwalker people to do things that are, you know, out of the ordinary. And they're trying to figure out what's causing it because it doesn't seem like it's something that people are doing by their own will. So the CDC is brought in to check things out. Um, Benji, because of some of his previous history, even though uh, he's, he's got kind of a tarnished past uh, and, and the, <laughs> the, the thing that's introduced by Sadie and why she's a neural engineer is because uh, she, the company that she works for, has created something that essentially is like Turbo Siri, I guess. Like it's a, uh, I guess you would say, I guess for the sake of ease, I'll call it like an AI. But like if you ask, Go like it, you could ask it to do stuff for you, or it could provide information based on like having a very like vast wealth of knowledge and, and access to um, records and information. So she um, is kind of the head of that project with her work and she works closely with the CDC. Um, and, and that's how they kind of all get introduced. I know that was very awkward, but it's just a weird thing. It's not like I'm like, Oh, this is Bob. He works at home Depot. He's got a family. This is something that's like not real. <laughs> so it's a little difficult to introduce. I think the, and, and not to take that take away from what you said, I think the way it introduces it's the AI that we are, that we're constantly warned about, right? Like the one that like starts to figure shit out without you asking it to. Sure. Yeah. So, um, black Swan is the AI. I don't remember if you mentioned that or not. Did, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Black Swan is the AI. And essentially the setup is this. When Benji asks, well, why me? There's plenty of great people at the CDC. I'm a disgraced, uh, you know, doctor for them. Like, I'm, I'm lucky getting, like, you know, consulting gigs now or whatever. And she says, well, basically, the AI, Black Swan, asked for you specifically to help with this problem. <laughs> 
So we probably won't go much more into that. And I know it's not in the synopsis, but I feel like it's this other huge component of the story. So, so far we've got, you know, we're following um, somebody who's with and very close to one of the sleepwalkers. And that's how we're seeing a good, you know, good portion of, of the phenomenon that's occurring. We have, uh, and we'll get into this a little bit, but of course the CDC gets involved and we've got this former CDC doctor who's brought onto the case, right? So that's how we're, we're trying to determine what the issue is that's causing this. And then there's like this, this big third component, which is this AI that can, you know, has access to all the documents and all the records and can do a statistical analysis of like the average age of sleepwalkers and stuff like instantly, but then also kind of can figure out some shit on its own too. Yeah. And that's where it really kind of shines in the beginning of the story is like Benji's trying to figure things out and he's looking at what is the gender breakdown? What is the, um, you know, the breakdown of ethnicity and stuff like that. And it's just way easier for that black swan to do it than to have a, you know, a member of the team gather, you know, documents and then like break down the data um so the i guess i should say that for the most part the entire story is very linear um it even breaks down by dates like some chapters i don't believe all of them but most chapters would have like a date of what's going on it starts sometime in june and it moves on from there and so kind of as these uh this group of sleepwalkers continues to grow uh, the group of people who love them, who are freaked out and trying to protect them also grows. And so um, as the phenomenon becomes more of a, an established thing and, and, and people start to get used to the idea, the sleepwalkers are kind of generally refer, referred to as the flock. And so the people that are with them, the loved ones who are, are afraid for them and, and, and want them back uh, become the shepherds. And so we're introduced to, I'm not going to go in, there's so many characters that it would be crazy to go into a bunch of them, but there's several members of the flock and the shepherds who are named that, that kind of have significant roles throughout the book. Um, but that's, that's the group that you probably see the most of, um, is, is the flock and the shepherds and their interaction with, uh, like the CDC and stuff, especially at the beginning of the book. You did such a detailed job with the notes that I'm looking at these names and I'm like, yeah. who the fuck is that? <laughs> so I could tell you were doing it on the fly because you thought like this guy might be around for the whole book. And then, you know, this Robbie Taylor guy, I'm like, ah, yeah, I vaguely remember that guy. Like <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't figure prominently too late into the book, but, um, yeah. So on the inside, you know, on the actual inside of, of this whole sleep barker thing, like I said, we get a lot from Benji and from Shayna, and then they're, they're peripheral characters. There are other people who work for the CDC. Um, you know, Shayna is, you know, not just dealing with her, her little sister being a sleepwalker, but, you know, her dad um, is a character, and, you know, there's some relationship stuff going on there. And then the rest of the, the story is told, kind of interestingly, um, through what the rest of the world sees, right? So each chapter is introduced um, with a little snippet. So it could be um, a Reddit post. It could be some tweets that someone put out. Um, it could be a, 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 a you know, quote from a CNN anchor, that type of thing. So we're starting yep. to, 
to see you know what the rest of the world thinks about this that aren't you know within spitting distance of the sleepwalkers but and then we're introduced to the opposition which is mentioned again in the um in the synopsis so there is a militia um that becomes a militia over the course of the book at first it's some people right that are unhappy um with this whole thing so we kind of get their take on it and then there's a, a preacher that figures pretty prominently into it. He's kind of a preacher, just kind of dip, a pastor, rather, kind of doing his thing, you know, trying to keep his church running. He's got family and, you know, some family issues that he's dealing with. And he gets uh, kind of inadvertently dragged into um, the spotlight to be a spokesperson for people who are um, anti-flock. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Yes. Yeah. There's a group of people that, uh, and not necessarily a group as in they all are working together, but there is the, there's a type of person who, um, thinks that whether it's a religious thing or just a, um, they're not like us thing that like thinks that, that this flock of sleepwalkers is somehow intended to harm the country or the people of the country. And so those people with their common interests find ways to uh yeah speak out against and maybe definitely act out against the the flock throughout the course of the book uh interestingly enough there are a couple of characters who make zero appearances in this book but are actually pretty important <laughs> characters and that's the current president of the united states not the current president of the real united states but in the course of this book and the uh the the challenger to the to the next presidency um who really are mentioned enough that they play pretty big roles but they never make an appearance anywhere i don't even think there's i, I think maybe it's mentioned that well there's there's the one where the president makes a speech but really it's people talking about the speech that the president made and yeah not, it's all second like we're never seeing yeah we're never seeing it so i that was kind of an interesting take on on doing the um, outside picture as like I said I kind of started calling it. I don't even know if that's the right word but you know so that we definitely have two things that are going on there's people in the know right there at the heart of it and then there's everybody else in both stories um, we, we get the stories told to uh, to us through both sides I guess yeah so uh, there's not so it's definitely like a like a third person um omniscient type of narration because we see things from like Livia said tons of different perspectives um and or and, well we see things from the third person omniscient perspective about what's going on with different characters so we have a real bird's eye view of what's going on um and yeah like that's probably i'd say the setup all of like getting like the the pieces that we're talking about kind of assembled and moving in the plot maybe you know that's the first third of the book which i mean the first third of the book is you know a few hundred pages so that's a lot um but after that it's just like that means that we're not talking about like 500 pages because we're going to spoil stuff um but that's it man that's that's the 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 zoomed out view is you got your flock and your shepherds you got the cdc's trying to figure out what's going on with them and then you've got um the people who are freaked out and thinking that like this flock was sent to destroy our way of living. Um, and you've got, you know, an AI that knows everything 
well, not knows everything, but knows a lot of stuff. So that's thrown in the picture as well. That's that's really the setup, right? That is um, very much the setup. Um, there's there's one more character I want, and we're welcome to talk. I mean, just because you did such a good job with these character notes, but <laughs> the one other character I want to talk about, and and I guess I'm not sure. I get the feeling that this character was supposed to feature a little more prominently in it than it came across. Um, but and and the reason I said that too, I was struggling trying to find my place. It's actually at the Kirkus Reviews starred review, which appears above the synopsis on Amazon. It says a decadent mm. rock star is like the first person listed. So we do have a, a, a rock star who's uh, who's aged, and he's your very typical rock star: drugs and sex and and rock and roll. Um, it's a character who I really really enjoyed, Pete Corley. Um, I, I I don't know why I feel like. Like maybe Pete was meant to be a bigger character than he was, and I don't know if it's just because of his personality in the book. But I mean, he's kind of a tertiary character. I don't even know if he's a supporting character. But I feel like, and I think the Stur- the Kirkus starred review kind of felt the same way. Like he was a bigger character in the book than he actually was. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because, well, first of all, like uh, I, I guess I could have kind of sat back and asked myself why did he include all the people he did. Uh, which I didn't give myself the time to think about. Um, but like, yeah, he does play a significant role. And I think it's like the, you'd never know in a situation like what's, what's explained, uh, you know, the terrifying, you know, secret that'll tear the nation apart, blue the survivors together, blah, blah, blah. You don't know who's going to, you know, play a significant role in that. And um, this is a very unlikely character regardless of whether we say what side he, he kind of is on because um, you don't think about like a rock star, uh, like ego driven dude um, being in the mix of a story like this, but it was a, it was a character that had it not been in the book. I, I think the the plot would have suffered for it. Yeah. We'll talk about, I, I think we're going to talk more about him in spoiler talk. Oh yeah, um, which is going to be I feel lengthy this time, um, just based on the fact that you know, like we said, we just talked about you know 150 pages of an 800 page book. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that Rob and I are going to um, toss around. Are there any other characters you really want to talk about? I mean, there is a sig- Rob has notes on I think 25 characters, um, and it's a lot. And some of them, like I said, you know, fell off to the wayside pretty quickly or are brought up. Uh, as a you know key part of the story and then mm-hmm. you know like they like they really don't figure that significantly into it anybody else you want to talk about before we move on from characters i mean uh, kind of so one of my favorite characters in the book is someone who doesn't show up often um but her name is marcy reyes and she's a, a former police officer that has um a kind of unique attraction to the not attraction in like a romantic way, but just like she's drawn to um, these sleepwalkers in a way that um, it doesn't seem like anybody else in the book is. And so she uh, starts out um, being introduced as someone who has like debilitating pain and um, issues from uh, when she was a police officer and was uh, attacked while on duty and basically like her head beat in with a bat. And so like, she's, she starts out the book as as a as a very pathetic and and pitiful kind of victim character, and by the end of the book, it's entirely different. And um, her character is just so endearing. And uh, I don't know. It was a it was another thing that probably we'll explore more in spoiler talk. 
an area of the book that um, kind of like the Pete Corley character, I wouldn't have necessarily expected this character to be part of this story, but she added a, a lot to it. Agreed. So we have a, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic because it's like a during apocalyptic <laughs> kind of situation going on in this book right like <laughs> there's a post-apocalyptic feeling to a book that's not post-apocalyptic if that makes sense you know i mean like, you could just say apocalyptic you could i guess that would be during apocalypse wouldn't it apocalyptic <laughs> book um told through um the eyes of many characters uh and to be fair as you said you know from an uh you know uh, from a narrator not not first person not you know but we get to see a, a, a bunch of different sides of this, um, including the media, the general public. Um, you know, I'm not going to quote what, what you call this group in the in the um, notes, <laughs> but in the in the opposition group um, uh, to the to the sleepwalkers. And I mean, I don't know that we can say anything else about plot. No, probably not. So. I think this means it's time to go to spoiler talk because there we can say things about the plot. And I feel like there's stuff that needs saying. All right. If you are a uh, supporter of us on Patreon, um, head on over and uh, check out the spoiler talk for this. If you are not, this is probably going to be a a, a significant uh, spoiler talk. And, And this is one of those stories where the real meat is, is in the stuff that we can't talk about. Um, more so than most, because I mean, there's a lot of book that we haven't talked about and there's things we haven't even mentioned that are, are, are crucial to the story. So uh dollar a month gets you this spoiler talk and it gets you like the 42 other books we've done spoiler talk for. Cause I recently cataloged all that information. There's hours and hours of it. So for a dollar a month, it is just a steal. So head on over to patreoncom slash booked. Check it out. And we're back from a decent sized spoiler talk. Probably not our longest. Probably probably in the top five, I would say. Yes. I, I could go to a document, but I'm going to just go ahead and <laughs> keep the keep the train rolling here. <laughs> um, Rob and I debated some things. Um, we pretty much fell exactly where I think we both expected on some, some things in this book, which is the, I don't know, the, it's, it's the double-edged sword. It's the nice thing and the bad thing about reading so many books with someone and then discussing them at length that it becomes predictable you know both mine and your perspectives become predictable <laughs> so yeah. um i don't know that we hashed out a ton or that we came to a ton of conclusions um or at least you know we're able to sway one another but um it's there and if you've read the book you should listen to it and if you haven't read the book most of it probably won't make any fucking sense anyway let's be honest so yeah. um uh that's it right like nothing else to talk about we just need to do some wrap-ups yeah, I can. You want me to get started? Um, you can. Yes. All right. So, this book came very, very, very hyped up from practically anybody who I had seen who read it or pretended to read it, um, just to you know be sensational on social media. A uh, lot of hype, a lot of very positive um, responses to this. And so, when I was going into it, um, I really have a favorable feeling about Chuck Wendig's uh, work in general. So, uh, like I loved all the Miriam black stuff. Um, the, the book zeros was interesting. And like, so when we reviewed zeros, we got a taste of, you know, some non supernatural Wendig writing, which I think kind of prepped us at least to a little degree with, uh, checking out this book. That being said, 
like I said, that first chapter is such a great um, stage setting for the story that was told. If you look at it from the story perspective of um, Shana, like if you look at it as like it's a Shana story, I think it was a fantastic book. Um, it happened to be a lot bigger than that. And so with a book that's 800 pages, it I, I you'd be hard-pressed to enjoy everything that happens. And so there were some things that were, um, to me, I don't, want, I don't know if I want to say extraneous, but just didn't um, uh, didn't do it for me as much as other parts of the book. That being said, overall, I thought it was very well done, and um, his his character development was good. Where it kind of falters for me is just where the story ended up going, and the explanation for some of the things that were going on just weren't exactly what I was hoping they would be, and so I kind of just had a basic difference of opinion. Uh, with the author on on where I would have thought it would be cool to see the story go. But Chuck didn't call me up and say, hey, Rob, I'm writing this story. Where do you think it should go? He wrote the story he wanted to, and I totally respect that. So overall, I I found it a very entertaining but very long (laughs) read. Um, (laughs) I didn't have some of the objections that that I read uh, online and that Livius have, but they were conspicuous enough for me to think, oh, Livius is going to be pissed about this several times throughout the book. So while it didn't necessarily take me out of the story, it made me aware that it might not be doing so much for for other people of a different kind of um, ideology or whatever you want to say. All right, I've been rambling. Uh, I enjoyed the book, and I thought it was um, a, a really cool story with some interesting stuff, and it really kind of challenged me to think deeper about the overall message, and um, you don't get that with every book. I think it's uh, I think it's four stars. This one is so tough um, to talk about and give a rating to. Um, if I wasn't doing this podcast... I think there are people I would recommend this book to, and then there are people that I wouldn't. Like, I, I don't even know, like, how to form my own opinion on this, which is terrible, right? Um, so I'll, I'll go into what I can. Um, overall, I thought the story was really interesting, and some very interesting things happen in the story. Um, there's a part very deep into the book, um, climax part, that I was like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. You know, so, so there are moments like that in the story where I was super, super impressed. Um, I've always thought Wendig is a good storyteller. The Where I run into an issue with this book is that although the book is, um, it's, it's clearly fantasy, it clearly takes place in what I would say is the very near future and, and it expounds on some things. Um, you know, so we talked about it in the review, so I'm not gonna be around, you know, you got the AI stuff, like stuff that doesn't exist to the level it is in this book. So I go, okay, he's exploring some things that exist, but you know, are in their infancy and he's taken them, you know, leaps forward or, or whatever. Based on some of that, I had some issues with, because it's based in science, even if it's science in its infancy, I, I mean, I had some issues there. I had some issues with the direction of the story um, and how it played out. And I'm not, I'm not being vague on purpose. And this is not a pitch for you to go to whatever, like we jokingly pitch, you know, you go to Patreon, spend a buck. Like I, I talked about it in spoiler talk, some stuff that I thought 
kind of like Rob said, which not the same things that Rob thought that should have gone in a different in a different direction that would have made this more interesting. And then there's the part that Rob did address, which there are a, a minority, 20%, give or take, I'm looking at the Amazon reviews, that thought that the book was a, a little politically heavy-handed. Um, I don't like politics in my fiction. Um, that may sound like a, like a dense kind of thing. And I could see if you're telling a story. So science fiction does this a lot, right? They tell this, this big story um, and they point to political things. But that's not what happened here. You're just kind of like bludgeoned with, with the politics through the course of the story. And I just don't find that enjoyable. If I want politics, I'm happy to turn on um, CNN or Fox News or whatever and get my politics there. I, I don't enjoy it in my fiction books. I don't know that it did. Well, I could say for me, it didn't do anything to advance the story. And it is what it is. It took me out of the story a little bit here and there. Still, this is an epic, epic book that covers a fairly epic um progression um for humanity for science for a variety of things so it's so tough because in some ways i think he pulled it off it's the way that he got to pulling it off that kind of bothers me so um that being said i'm gonna go like right down the middle and i'm gonna give this one three stars Oh, that's pretty much exactly where I thought you were landing. On See, that's what I said. We're just too predictable. Here's what happened. We've decided after eight years, we're too predictable. Earlier, what did you say? Something. Oh, you're talking about trying new things. That's the same thing that couples do, right? They get in that kind of lull <laughs> yeah. eight years in. So instead of instead of like, you know, me putting on a strap on or, or whatever, we're just trying new recording software. But that's what happens to people who have been together for this amount of time. We become boring and predictable, and then we try new things. Those new things fail, like the technology we've been using. But yeah, I mean, this was a tough one, man. Like I said, I don't, you know, if I didn't have to put, if I didn't have to put a number on it, if you just asked me, hey, man, are you, you know, did you finish that book? And I'd go, yeah. And you go, what'd you think? And I'd be like, I don't know. But like, that would be yeah. my, my review to someone asking me if I didn't have to, like, kind of give a summation and, and, and give it a rating and stuff. It's, it's, it's tough because in some parts it's great. And in some parts, not, not so great. So, well, it's obvious you've had a lot to say about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have talked the least in an episode this time than I have in a long time. Um, it, it actually did occur to me and because like not to a, an extreme degree and, and uh, not in a way that ever has any negative impact on how we feel about each other that, you know, it's pretty obvious we have, uh, you know, disparate political affiliations. And for a second, uh, like I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I presented Livius's case and he presented mine? Um, and I didn't suggest it cause I just thought like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know. But like that to me would be like, how much do I understand Livius and, and, and what, you know, cause like as I was reading the book, I knew the stuff that was going to like not sit well with you. Um, so it was just a thought I had. I thought it'd be interesting. Um, yes. And comical, likely, <laughs> I would imagine that it... Well, that's the problem. I think it would turn into a farce too quickly right? for, for yeah, both of us. I'm not, not just accusing you of that. I, I'm, you know, I would put on my hippiest, uh, like hippie-like, I guess, not hippiest, hi, like hippie-like <laughs> hat, right? And I'd go yeah. to town and I'd do a Bernie Sanders impersonation the whole time. Uh, you yeah. know, and then you would you'd do whatever. You know what I mean? So right. I... I Look, man, Chuck wrote the book Chuck wants to write, and that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Um, people are going to have mixed opinions. Look, man, there's a. Uh, we looked at the reviews. What'd you say it was like eighty percent five star? Was that 
You did some math on it, right? Yeah, six sixty-five percent five star, thirteen percent four star. Look, people really like this book. I didn't dislike the book. I disliked elements of it. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, the next book that we're reading, <laughs> uh, I don't think covers any of these types of things, and is uh, is is entirely different approach to a story. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, so we are doing. <laughs> so, the one more thing before we get to that, because something else <laughs> occurred to me when I was trying to figure out what the current word for post-apocalyptic is. Which, oh God, sometimes, man. So we read the Fearing, the book one by John F. D. Taff. Yep. And that guy wrote a post-apocalyptic book that's broken up into four, four books, that are still going to come out to like less than eight hundred pages. So yeah, like talk about two different approaches. Yeah. yeah so he's got five hundred page book broken up into four parts, and Wendig throws down an eight hundred pound brick. Yeah, and I, I, I really get do. it. I think that's. I mean, that probably has to do more with the publishing company, you know, than than it does with. You know, I doubt Wendig tried to break this book up into three books, but he could have done it pretty easily at that size. But it's funny mm-hmm. that just almost back to back, we read books that could have. You know, both kind of touch on the same type of thing, but are um, presented dramatically differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this <laughs> is not too long from now, we're going to be reading Rob Hart's The Warehouse, which is uh, an absolute like expose of 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 a uh, an issue, I guess. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Um, but before before we get to that one, we're going to go back to a guy who um, we've had live reading from. We've reviewed uh, one of his books, two of two. his books. Yeah, um, only very very different. Drive through crematorium. Um, so John Bassoff's books um, were you know were a little offbeat and weird, um, but they weren't published by Eraserhead Press, and that's probably all you need to know <laughs> about a book, right? Like. Yeah, if it's published by Eraserhead Press, you have a pretty good idea that you're going to get some weird and crazy shit. Now, oddly enough, Rob has already read this book. I can't even get into how weird that all is. Um, <laughs> let's let's pause on that for a second because I want to go into a. I finished reading Wanderers before Livius did. B. I finished reading Drive Through Crematorium before Livius finished reading Wanderers. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my defense, it's a short book. Um, I do. I did start it. I'm, I'm like 30, 33 pages in. I will I will yeah. tell you that I I understand the title right now, if that tells you kind of where I'm at in the book. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Th- <laughs> yeah, I, I get the feeling there's not going to be a lot of like um, the sociolo- sociological like discussion. I don't know. I don't know. I've still Probably got not. another 150 pages to go or something. So who knows? Who knows what's going to come up? But uh Looking forward to that one, and then um, immediately after that, right? No, we decided not immediately after that. Two weeks after that, The Warehouse. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But both of those are definitely coming up. We're also going to try to get Rob Hart on to talk about The Warehouse before he forgets about us little guys. I before know, he rockets to stardom. So yeah. that's what we've got coming up in the next few weeks here on Booked. All right. Just because this just happened, I think... Uh, within the last day or two before we're recording this, um, 
I really did. You watch the uh, the 2018 Halloween movie? I did. I went and saw it in I, the movie theater, and I only say that because that's a big deal for me nowadays to go actually go see a movie. <laughs> um, and you you were kind of on the fence or wishy washy about it. Didn't care for it too much. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. So my 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 brief review of it is we erased you know most of the history of michael myers to tell a story that takes place whatever 30 years later or whatever it is and i just felt like it deserved more than it got well it's getting more i don't know if it's going to be more of what you want but um it was officially announced i think comic-con is because like comic-con mm-hmm. happened all of this like stuff's coming out um not one but two more movies one next year and one the year after um halloween kills and halloween ends were announced. I, I did not hear this. Um, I'm hesitantly excited. I was really excited for that last Halloween movie, dude. Like, I don't know how many times I watched that trailer um, beforehand, yep. and the trailer is what I wanted from that movie. And and it's one of those. I felt like it was one of those things where like, oh, they always put the best parts in the trailer. Like, I don't typically think that, but I was like, yeah, they literally took every good part and put it in the trailer. Is how I felt when I walked out of that movie. So. Um, I'm down. I'm down for both of those. I will. I mean, it's only another four hours of my life I have to give to this, right? So I'm I'm down for checking both of those out for sure. Well, and and the funny thing is, because like you had seen it and you had a kind of a lukewarm response, I felt less, um, you know, compelled mm-hmm. to watch it, and I didn't watch it until it came out in like VOD or whatever. And I fucking loved it. Like it's one of my favorite movies uh that i've seen recently and i've watched it several times i bought it all that kind of stuff and i really enjoy it and so does jesse lawrence like we both have kind of a a mutual love for that that movie and so like this is and actually a pretty exciting uh announcement for me that they got two more coming it's the same people so it's like it's still um the same director david gordon green it's still got uh the same writing team and everything so it should be i guess at least tonally similar i don't know what jesse's excuse is but can i ask you what what is your relationship to the halloween movies well that might be part of it um Mm -hmm. as i said i I know jesse's seen all (laughs) of them i'm sure so i don't know what his excuse is i I almost feel like like i've been really followed the vast majority of them through the years you know i mean they started to get really weird after a while so i no i hadn't really ever seen them until uh more like in the last couple years i watched the original one i think i watched the original one when the when the 2018 was announced just mm-hmm. to like kind of get background on it i think i saw the h2o one when it came out but it was more like people were watching it and i was with them it wasn't like it, there was no intention behind it and that's probably it like i i don't have much of a background in it okay. um at all so i don't have all of the emotion poured into other things yeah. that are then disregarded <laughs> see oddly i really really liked h2o and i was in the minority i mean i don't know what like the rotten tomatoes score on it is i'm gonna look it up but i, I know yeah. that i really liked h2o and and that that was not the consensus view for yeah. um for uh that movie so well it was hyped up because it was jamie lee curtis coming back right after mm-hmm. her not yep. being in yep with the other continuity or yeah. whatever. Um, 52% is the tomato meter and the audience score 49%. Like I said, I really, really liked it. So Yeah. Um, excited about that. Oh, and I figured out the other thing I wanted to mention that I'm very excited about is there is now a trailer and a uh, date 
for season two of Mindhunter, the Netflix show. Oh yeah, I watched that. I kind of, it seems like seems like it was more than a year ago, right? Like, yeah, it was. I think it was late twenty eighteen. Okay. Yeah, it feels like I, I like maybe I thought it wasn't coming back. Like mm-hmm. I knew it'd been renewed, but at some point I was like, man, it's been a long time. Um, you should check out the trailer because it seems like it really ramps up. Um, like the t- the crazies, a little mm-hmm. bit like because they've kind of set the tone in the first season, which was a lot of like establishing the characters. Now it seems like there's more interaction with like the the killers and stuff. And it brings back like Ed Kemp and stuff like that. Ed Kemp, Ed, Edward Kemp, whatever his name is, the fat guy in mm-hmm. prison who yeah. was awesome. I'll totally watch so, that. Uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the first season. I, it's not exactly what I expected, but I found that I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, it started in October 2017. So yeah, two years, almost two years ago. Yeah, that's what I said. It seems like it was yeah. like I knew they'd greenlit it, but then it's like I didn't hear anything, and I was like, all right, maybe that got shelved quietly. And um, I I don't I don't have anything else. There's some new um Indian horror TV series on Netflix that's supposed to be terrifying. I might try to to get into that in between hmm. some of these books. Um, I just caught an article. You know, one of those. I'm sure it's just clickbait. Like uh, people are having trouble sleeping after seeing this. That kind right. of you know thing. So, oh, that. So you're not excited about the the sequel to Zombieland? <laughs> you know, I, I I not that long ago someone mentioned that to me, and I actually was like, I don't know if I saw it or not. Like I feel like I might have, but like mm-hmm. it didn't make a big enough impression on me to actually remember. So yeah. um, I'll go with no because I don't even remember if I saw the first one. Oh, Takashi Miike's got a new movie coming out called First Love. Oh, all right, I'm down for that. That guy, yeah. that guy does some weird shit. I'm totally in on that. Yeah, um, this the is some stuff. Yeah, the TV show I was talking about is an Indian horror show called Typewriter. Nice, like made in India. So, but not Bollywood, like, like no, yeah, it's that a, style. I don't believe so. It's an Indian horror drama directed by Sujoy Ghosh. Um, it's about a haunted house and a haunted book that stir the imagination of a group of young wannabe ghost hunters and a dog determined to capture the ghost that plagues the notorious home in their neighborhood, and so on and so forth. Shit goes bad, I'm cool. guessing. Yeah, that's a good setup. Yeah, so maybe by next week I'll have a little review of that too. Awesome. All right. Very good. We'll be back next week with Drive Through a Crematorium from John Bassoff. Until then, I'm Livia Snudden. Now I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>